everybody, and welcome to another edition of the official Chella Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo, and returning, well, I'm returning myself from COVID and uh, returning from Florida, which I'd rather go to um, than have COVID. I have with me the wonderful Joey Knight. How are you doing? Ta-da, it's me. I'm back. You can't see me, but I'm gloriously tanned <laughs> and from my trip to Florida instead of your trip to Coronaville. Not good. Not good. So um, were you there for wrestling-y things or was it like a family I was vacation? For vacation-y things, it was great. But I did visit Hogan's Beach and Hogan's Hangout and all the Hulk Hogan-related stuff because I used to live in Tampa, Florida, and Hogan lives down the road in Clearwater, Florida. So I made sure to see what Hogan was up to. Now, you were there over WrestleMania weekend, and this is a busy time for wrestlers. So was Hogan there or was he? Because he wasn't in WrestleMania. He wasn't there. He was nowhere to be seen. I keep seeing Ric Flair lives there now. So Ric Flair's always singing karaoke at Hogan's like bar. And I was hoping to see like Hogan and Flair <laughs> had other things to do, I guess. I like the idea that like Hogan is secretly there, but behind a picture of himself with the eyes cut out. And he's just like <laughs> yeah. making sure no one's stealing anything, you know? <laughs> Say your vitamins, take your prayers, you know, believe in yourself. Don't steal my shit. Basically, that's the the other commandment from Hulk Hogan. Did you buy anything from the store? The prices are pretty nuts. The one thing that caught my eye, he literally had a, like a loose box of just wrestling figures. And they were like WCW Bret Hart with like a laser eye and like just random stuff. But there were $19.99 plus applicable sales taxes. Woo! So I'm like, Hogan, I love you and all, but I'm not going to buy a random box of figures. Each figure, $19. Um, and you could tell he got it from like a, a garage sale, a car boot sale type thing and just threw the box up there. But because he's Hogan, he can charge 20 bucks a pop. Hogan's better than that. Hogan must have like deals with toy companies and merch companies and WWE. You think you would just have all official merchandise, not just whatever box he's just found in a garage sale. <laughs> He's got legitimately just anything and everything. Like he's got official Hogan's Beach stuff and he's got his Hasbros and he's got his this and his that and his belts, but he has like literally anything slightly wrestling related is there for sale at an inflated price. Was there like, because I've seen pictures of this, that his old, one of his old 1970s when he was managed by Blassie Capes. Um, yeah, maybe with the the rainbow uh, on the inside, or it was the the purple and gold the one that Matt Morgan used in that storyline at one point? Was that on yeah. display there? Yeah, he's got a couple shops. He's got one smaller one in Clearwater, Florida. He's got a huge one in Orlando that has a ring and has all these really really cool lifelike Hogan statues there, and they've got that stuff on it. So that's one of the ones. Yeah, but the one in Clearwater does have. Yeah, I think there's one. No, the one in Clearwater is his Thunderlips apparel from like Rocky. He's got the cape and everything from his Rocky movie. But there's some creepy lifelike Jimmy Hart stuff there and everything too. It's cool. It's really well done, but it's just a little too true to life. It's still creepy. I've seen the Jimmy Hart statue. They've made his hair look really good. I mean, and he's got good hair anyway, but this is like next level. Um, I'm just thinking as well, like you can imagine even Jimmy Hart posing as one of those statues that you see in the middle of town. Just you know, exactly. that's, that's what he does with his days now, or that he's like the janitor of the shop or something. <laughs> or on the beach busking, doing some of his old uh, Gentry's albums or something like that. That would be fun. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, before we get into uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is we're going to be looking at some of the cello names that have been announced. And we're going to, because this is WrestleMania week, we're going to uh, look at some of our favorite WrestleMania matches involving these names. Now, some will be easier than others because some will have only had one match. Some may have had no matches. So we may brush over those ones. Um but uh, I'm going to watch, as we record this, I'm going to watch part two of WrestleMania tonight. Uh, because you were in a more sensible time zone, uh, did you watch WrestleMania when it was when it was live? Uh, I was doing like family-related things, but it was on in the background, so I was catching it. At the corner of my eye, I was watching day one of it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Entertaining, good stuff. Because I always love I was going to say, this is a family vacation, so were you told no wrestling, like at all? Exactly. <laughs> Strictly no wrestling, so I kept trying to, you know, sneak it in when I could, yeah. <laughs> um, so, big news from over the weekend. Uh, the Buff Bagwell uh, wrestling megastars figure yeah. was unveiled, and the unrivaled Charlie Haas figure. Now, this was, uh, you know, we, being on the Chella team, are privy to some information sometimes, which is lovely, and uh, never knew about the Charlie Haas figure. That's a mind-blower, that, so... You know, I think it's incentive for a, a Shelton Benjamin to be made at some point because there is a Kurt Angle. There's a team Angle, Kurt Angle out there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With the jacket as well. Mm-hmm. So you, you now you've got to buy free Kurt Angles to put that team yeah. Angle jacket on. You know, that's how they get you, you see. Um, <laughs> but and, but the, the artwork, again, looks incredible. And we've seen the finished uh, product of uh, Sabu, uh, or as close to finished as it's, uh, you know, going to get at this point. And, uh, it, you know, we've talked about this in terms of Chella uh, staying true to the original version of that line, you know, with the Wrestling Megastars line. They're not lifelike scans in that way. They are made to look like the original line and the bone crunching uh, action figures as well. Uh, they are stylized to look as they did back then. Uh, and but if you have any doubts about how realistic cello figures can look, look no further than the Sabu figure. That's such a you know an indicator for where that uh, that unrivaled lines are gonna go. And as a collector of figures in all sizes, um, I'm very very excited about everything they've got coming out. I mean, in terms of like the the styles of figures that you collect, do you are you across the board or are you kind of retro style uh, or are you kind of current style or? across the board like literally everything it's embarrassing luckily we're not on like a camera a video because i could show you and i just have every single thing <laughs> from bootlegged you know pound shop dollar store figures to like you said the seven inch the everything ljn hasbro bone crushers i have everything you can think of and that's why at chelish just put my wallet in a headlock my goodness when i see all this stuff and i was like no i've got to get that now too because i'm a bit of a completist too and i want everything so like especially with the the megastars line i'm getting every single one i could possibly get and the bone crushers uh i'm looking at those too it's like oh they just look so good i need to get those because i have all the bone crushers and now the uncensored i'm like okay you got me chella i need these i need these in my life it looks so so good so they're gonna be going i don't know where i'm gonna find the room for it all but i'm just gonna have it anyways i need it gotta have it 
the uh, the Brian Clark figure, the uh, not the glow in the dark one, the the first uh, release from Chella is uh, shipping very soon. Um, that email will have shown up in people's uh, accounts. Do I, I've got to say as well, do check your junk folders uh, just in case because you could be missing out on some email emails from Chella. Um, that is some that a little bit of feedback that I've had that it can you know if uh, reach junk folders and. That's certainly not where it belongs. And again, you're missing out on pre-order information. Uh, you're missing out on, you know, limited edition stuff. Uh, you're missing out on uh, variants uh, like the the Ethan Page uh, variant, which uh, looks amazing. But I mean, who? I know for a fact when you get the uh, Buff Bagwell figure, the first thing you're going to do is a pose down between Joey Knight and Buff Bagwell. Oh. <laughs> Okay, 100%. It's going to be a pose-off between me and Buff Daddy and the Steelers. <laughs> Looks so good. I've got, I've got literally all those things coming by. And the neat thing about those emails is sometimes you get a sneak peek. They showed you a sneak peek of the giant haystacks in the factory, and it's looking so, so good. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm blown away by that. I mean, I'm, I keep saying this, and I sound like a hypocrite because I'm just like, oh, I've never been more excited about a cello figure than this one, or this one, and then this one, and then I go back and I'm like, oh, but I, re- I remember talking about this one, and I'm not. Um, this isn't hyperbole here. Like, you know, the fact that they're making Powers of Pain uh, in the retro style, uh, the fact that they're making, or they have made a Bull Nakano, and they're making a Haku and a Rhythm and Blues Greg Valentine, but there's just something that really gets me here about the uh, the eventual British Wrestling Icons line, um, mm-hmm. of which we know Adrian Street is going to be a part of that, and um, just the, the, the design uh, that has been chosen, and, you know, I would imagine that it's going to have all the accoutrements that you would expect with an Adrian Street figure, uh, but as part of the uh, the the wrestling megastars line, the the big daddy and the giant haystacks, it just it means so much that those are getting made in figure form. And the blue Wembley variant, which is gone now, you snooze, you lose. Uh, but mm-hmm. the the giant clash between big daddy and giant haystacks, probably the biggest match in British wrestling history. Uh, you know, it's it's also the match that kind of you know killed the company a little bit but like you know but it's huge and it was the match that everyone had to see until we saw it um (laughs) but it's iconic and it's something that is a part of pop culture as well and uh it's it's a wonderful thing i mean if my dad was here he would be thrilled that uh not only that they're making figures of big daddy and giant haystacks um, and more British wrestling names as we go forward. But uh, the fact that I got to do like a retrospective on them as well and uh, have the family of Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks complement that show. So do go back on uh, bbgwrestling.com and uh, listen to that show. I, I wouldn't normally just toot my own horn, but me and Mark did a very good job of that one, I must say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, anyway, before I just ramble far too much now, if you've been following uh, Chella, you know that the the range of names that uh, they are continuing to announce is just absolutely mind-blowing. And these are names, many of which have appeared on previous WrestleManias. And with this being WrestleMania season, uh, you know, it's still the week of WrestleMania, so I still count this as... Uh, it's the week between Christmas and New Year, you know, so this is still WrestleMania, um, you know, season in that way. Um, we're going to go through some names and... Uh, 
pick out what our favorite WrestleMania matches are of that person. Um, so I know that you were looking through some names. So did uh, did you have any particular ones that jumped right off the uh, off the page for you immediately? There's one that because it has a like almost every member of this match has a toy from Chella. Uh, WrestleMania two, the British Bulldogs versus the Dream Team. Everyone but Brutus Beefcake and Ozzy Osbourne need to figure some Chella. So get on that Chella. You know, make your contacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one that sprung to mind because just we got Dynamite Kid, which is one of the first Chella toys that came out, and then we got British Bulldog, which is one of those mind blowing reveals that we got in a lot of the last couple of weeks, couple months, I'd say. And they go against yeah, um, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. So that is one of the ones WrestleMania two. Um. I watched it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty, it's, it's a pretty decent match, especially for the time. It's just, it's a different era compared to like what you just saw at WrestleMania this weekend. It's a completely different thing. It's not a led light up ring and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) This was, um, this was, Oh, where was it? It was Chicago. It was where WrestleMania 13 was held. Um, and if you look at it, it's, it's a dump of an arena, but I love that it looks so grimy and horrible and <laughs> just yeah. you know, <laughs> it really it doesn't suit wrestlemania like wrestlemania 2 is my favorite car crash of all time if you watch it from beginning to end um but it it would be hard to say that the uh the tag title match isn't the best match on the card and that bump dynamite takes at the end where bulldog gets yeah. whipped into him dynamites on the second rope on the outside and he just lands yeah. flat back bump after taking a legit shot to the head so he cannot get in the ring. <laughs> exactly. Like the most legitimate headbutt I've seen. When Ozzy Osbourne, when Ozzy Osbourne's the more most vivid person, you know, after that match, because Dynamite <laughs> just can't move. Um, and I think he's bleeding as well. So Ozzy has to take the mic in that classic British Bulldogs Forever, uh, with his beautiful salmon pink suit that he's wearing. Um I know. When I was watching, I get like who's that lady? I was like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's such a weird mishmash of stuff though because you've got um was it, it was it susan st james on commentary um yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, yeah so wrestlemania 2 is like so for celebrities um you'll appreciate this more um than someone from england because you know a lot of these celebrities that were only famous for that small time period wrestlemania 2 just yeah. captures that perfectly like they had herb from the burger king advert so they had clara pella from the where's the beef and she didn't even know yeah. what was going on or whether she was on camera or not and you had g gordon liddy and just the... like you said they celebrities that were only famous for brief bit like they're famous for like a couple months that just happened to coincide with wrestlemania at that time and now you watch it you're like who are these people why would they think that person was a celebrity but that's what i loved about it you got you got the cheesiest celebrities possible and like you said being in like north america you knew exactly where they were from and you're like oh man how was that a celebrity the, the gravitas of the names of wrestlemania one you've got liberace and you've got cindy lauper and you've got mr t and you've got billy martin and, um, you know, all the huge names that were there for that. Then WrestleMania 2, okay, Ray Charles doing the national anthem, but, yeah. uh, you know, um, <laughs> this old lady, the- hamburger commercial. Yeah, yeah. 
But it speaks to, to to me though. WrestleMania two is kind of a um, it speaks to sort of how mainstream and ingrained in pop culture they were to the point where they had celebrities probably wanting to work with them instead of them reaching out to celebrities at that point. And um, again, there's so many, uh, you know, we sh- I shouldn't mention this, but Necker have just released an amazing Elvira figure. Oh, I've been waiting for a true lifelike Elvira figure. But right. the only problem is, is that she's about eight inches or nine inches and she, she dwarfs the Jesse Ventura figure um, who <laughs> is in his WrestleMania 2 gear, but you couldn't have them stood next to each other. It just wouldn't work, sadly. But uh, yeah. Just so anyway, like back in the shelf and she'll look smaller like perspective wise it'll be fine <laughs> it's the father ted line isn't it i don't know if you've ever seen father ted when dougal's looking at the cow the toy cow and father ted's trying to make him understand perspective he's like right this cow is very small this one is far away and uh in the point out the window and dougal just does not understand it but uh <laughs> anyway so and yeah i've got to try and not ramble after these as well because this is what happens but um yeah so um yeah, that's a great match, and everyone should check that out. And and for the pop, for Bulldogs winning the tag title as well, it's a yeah. wonder, wonderful moment. So what was your next match? Um, a shorty, but a goody. Uh, Brian Clark, Adam Bomb versus Earthquake from my favorite WrestleMania, WrestleMania 10. <laughs> I believe it's 36 seconds, I think it is. Something like that. It's a very short match, but it features Adam Bomb, Cella, Megastar. Mm-hmm. Adam Bomb was Canadian dropped. Fellow Canadian earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam Bomb was dropped. It came after um Howard Finkel and Harvey Whippleman having that amazing exchange. Everything just came to a head. And uh, oh, what you've always see if I can remember this. You've always in my mind been a ugly banana nosed, you know, <laughs> just uh, stupid, big eared, monkey faced you know poor excuse for an announcer um, <laughs> and then Fink finally gets his own back and pushes Harvey down but uh yeah the Adam Bomb last minute replacement for Ludwig Borger on that match um, right because Ludwig Borger injured his leg in January and uh actually the, the previous time they were at the garden and um I I for some reason, can't see Earthquake having beat Ludwig Borger in the same 36 seconds that he beat Adam Bomb in, just right. because they were pushing Ludwig Borger a little bit at that point. But that, that ladder match went so over time that they had to cut everything. It's like, you know what? <laughs> 30, sorry, Adam Bomb. Hey, at least he got there. He got to be in WrestleMania. He did get you know, to be there. Yes. Had a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. And, and, um, it's, and it's memorable, though. That's the thing. It's short, but memorable. That's it, exactly. Even if, yeah, if it's gonna be short, make it memorable, and it was. Mm-hmm. One one of the other ones that I've got is not so much a match, but it features a cella uh, megastar, Sir Mo, with the men on a mission, WrestleMania rap. Now that, <laughs> that is top-notch entertainment where they get they go on rapping and uh rhyming, you know, stringing it together. It's it's a rap, it's considered a rap, but it's just them like. You rhyming are we going to do this are we going to perform it because i remember it i remember the chorus hello you're going to see a show like never before the mission is the title that we will win because we're all going to rock wrestlemania too yeah. Yeah. 
spout off some amazing celebrities like Burt Reynolds, Mr. Burt Reynolds, Jenny Garth from Beverly Hills 90210, just like you said, random Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block, just random things. There was a guy from the Hair Club for Men. That's when they're hitting their like WrestleMania 2 like level celebrities. The guy from the Hair Club for Men, the, the toupee guy was there. But I mean, Jenny Garth the back then that was a pretty big thing. Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block were kind of on their way out. Burt Reynolds had some TV show. He was kind of like scrounging for cash. He owed a couple ex-wives some money, so he was just doing anything. But I mean, it seemed <laughs> there were still some celebrities, you know, celebrity status. At one point, they were celebrities for sure. Did you see Mark Wahlberg open the Shares Mania? Did he? I yeah, didn't he did, see that. Did he, he? he did like a pre-recorded uh, intro to Mania, and I was just like, oh, Donnie's brother. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. All the Wahlberg. Yeah, well, not all the Wahlbergs, but the famous Wahlbergs are all here's, part of Here's a fact. Um, this is slightly off wrestling, but it involves Donny Wahlberg that uh, myself and a friend covered a new Kids on the Block uh, song and we released it for charity and it got like top 10, but like physical singles. You don't have to sell many to get physical singles done. But we're maybe cool. doing another one with um, not Joey. Um, you, you, I'm, I don't want to presume, but I'm guessing you know the name. Joey, Jordan. Uh, Donnie, Danny, Danny, Danny. There you go. See, yeah, of course. Do we my boy Ben something with Danny. Right? Don't challenge my boy bad knowledge. I will <laughs> take you down. You can definitely assume that I know every boy band in the world. Trust me, it's it's fine. Um, and Donnie Wahlberg is now married to Jenny Garth, who was yeah twelve. Diesel, yeah. Not Jenny Garth and Donnie Wahlberg. Not Garth. No, um, no, WrestleMania tour. What's her name? Oh, she was a, a Playboy playmate that my brother had the poster on the wall. Oh, no, Pamela not, Anderson. Um, the other one. Uh, the other one. What's her name? No. Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. That's it. WrestleMania twelve. Jenny. I think it was just May twelve. Jenny. Eleven with Diesel. That's right. Because Pamela Anderson and Shawn Michaels had some altercation, and <laughs> yeah, that's it. So yeah, yeah. Look at that. So just uh, yeah, that's weird. They on different WrestleManias, and now they're a couple. That's crazy. Maybe they talk crazy. about it. Maybe they talk about their WrestleMania memories. How they, they got together. Like, were you in WrestleMania? Yeah, me too. Let's get married. <laughs> My favorite celebrity from WrestleMania 10, and I know we're going completely off topic here, but uh, is uh, Ronda Shear from Up All Night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with a little pink yeah. rubber dress. Um, I interviewed uh, Tom Buchanan, the, the WWF's head of photography, for many years. Yeah. And uh, do you remember the little backstage scene with Burt Reynolds and Shawn Michaels when Ronda Shear is there? And there's a photographer taking photographs and Burt Reynolds yeah. pushes the photographer down. Well, that's Tom Buchanan. And oh, is it? That's the second take of that. Like, Tom Buchanan didn't realize how strong Burt Reynolds was when he... And he had a broken arm, if you remember, as well. He had the cast on. Yeah. And uh, he really pushes him down. And he's like, do you think you've got another one in your kid? <laughs> he's like, why not? <laughs> That is that is that is very cool. So yes, um, what is your what's your next match? Is this your final one? Oh, that was final. I had three. I had three prepared, but I'm sure I can pull some more out. Let's see. Well, we've got. Um, I mean, we've got Andre the Giant. Um, the Andre the, in his gear from the Battle Royal. From the Battle Royal. See, I, I, that's another thing, though. One of the best crowd reactions of all time for me was when Demolition defeated uh, the Colossal Connection at WrestleMania 6. Um, mm -hmm. That pop is huge. And because 
WWE didn't want to pay the rights to the demolition music on certain DVD releases. It's dubbed over with the most generic, bland rock music ever. So you miss the entire pop. And and what yeah. the thing is though, it's if you watch the anthology version, you don't get the pop because the music's cut out. But if you watch the, if you watch the network version now, they've cut out the Roddy Piper Bad News Brown match because of the the blackface. Right. I mean, and wherever you stand on that. I don't know. I don't think anything should be cut out as long as you give like a, a thing at the start, like a, a warning or something like that. Because if you had to cut out some wrestling stuff for being, uh, you know, slightly dodgy, you'd be cutting out a lot of wrestling stuff. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of wrestling history to go on. Yeah, it's put a disclaimer. It's like, this is the pre woke era. We're sorry in advance. <laughs> we- so that would, would be. be- yeah. So, but I mean, how do, how do you talk about Andre and not talk about WrestleMania three? Um, you know, the the arguably the biggest match in WWF history, um, mm-hmm. and you know what it's like. I mean, I'm you know I don't want to presume, but like being a wrestler in looking being able to look at matches in a different way. Everyone, I understand Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat is considered the the greatest match of all time. But the Hogan-Andre match, for me, if you want a wrestler to win and you also want a wrestler to lose, it almost doesn't matter how stinky the match is if you, like, sort of judge it on that way. And the crowd were so into it. And Andre did everything he needed to do. And I don't think there was anything bad about that match at all. I, I think, retrospectively, people maybe look back on that match and want more out of it than what is there. but you know, you have to look at like context and stuff like that. And I thought it was a phenomenal piece of storytelling. The main thing, exactly. That's like, nobody will remember the moves or anything else. Like the whole thing when you're like really taught how to wrestle well is to take people on like an emotional journey. And that's what it is. And that's what I remember as a kid watching it, just so desperately wanting to Hulk Hogan to win. Like that you're, you know, you're hyperventilating watching this, the show. And that's like, say what you will about Hogan, but he, knows how to do that he knows how to take people on a journey and it doesn't matter about the moves it's even him versus the rock that was a a match i didn't expect there to be any investment in but i mean years later i watched that live in toronto and the place was just insane and i think that's just that is just one of those perfect matches where it doesn't have to be moonsault or anything else but everybody is just so invested in this and like i said before at that point i remember it was kind of a thrown together last minute match and people weren't super into it and then when you watch it you're like wow that just i was completely uh, engulfed by that it was very good but that's like you said when you're when you know what you're doing you can take people on an emotional journey and not even worry about what matches are happening or you know, what bumps you're taking or what blood's getting spilled or anything like that. So that's definitely one of the the first really, yeah, good examples of putting on a WrestleMania match. Absolutely. So um, how big of a deal was WrestleMania 6 at the time for... It, the whole, like, because I was, uh, like, a born in Toronto, Canada, and the whole world stopped. Every single newspaper, everything was just WrestleMania, 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 like... Like you said, it, it took over at that point. Not even just the Toronto area, but I mean, the surrounding area. Canada was just hosting. Canada as a country was hosting WrestleMania for WrestleMania 6. It was just insane. And then, what was it? 17? X18? 18, 18, yeah, yeah. 18, yeah. 18 was same thing. The whole world just stopped because WrestleMania was in town. It was so, so cool to be there. Yeah. 
You know that big, uh, the Hulk Hogan sign that was at WrestleMania 6 and at 18, yep. the big thing of his face, yeah. um, that came from the side of a bus. That was a big piece of did an it? advert from a bus. Yeah, someone did a little bit of digging and found out that that's what it is from. And it's the same person who had the same thing at both WrestleManias, which I think was wonderful. Wow. Uh, but that's yeah, that's so- that's what that came from. Um yeah, so I'll tell you what, a WrestleMania that I've just watched, um, that I haven't watched in a long, long time, because I think it gets kind of brushed over for match quality or whatever, but I think it's, again, one of those things that if you're watching at the time, you know the context of the storylines and everything, and that's 15. The the true Attitude Era Russo WrestleMania, where there are storylines running through the event even, it's just a long roar, basically. Um, but the crowd are like hugely into it, and it has the payoff that you want with Austin winning the belt and Foley getting to be the referee and stuff like that. And this is why I prefer that over the Mania 17 match, only because of the Austin heel turn, which ruins a perfectly perfect WrestleMania, in my opinion. Um, but there are a few uh cello names that are a part of that WrestleMania, Al Snow opened it he was the first person out in the uh the hardcore triple threat match with billy gunn and uh and hardcore holly and um al had only been back with the company for less than a year at that point after his you know leaf cassidy and avatar and all that kind of thing and it just showed what an uphill trajectory his career was on at that point and the the uh the figure that's coming out is wearing that exact gear that he wore at wrestlemania 15 oh is it nice yeah. um because he wore that gear quite a lot at that point, yeah, yeah. but it's um, you know, but uh, Blue Meanie, uh, he takes a lot of pride in the fact that he was his only WrestleMania was at Philadelphia, uh, which is obviously a big deal for him. And he was in Goldust's uh, corner with Ryan Shamrock in the uh, the fatal four way match with Road Dog and uh, Val Venus and who else? Uh, Road Dog, Val Venus, Goldust, and Shamrock, obviously. Um, because oh, yeah. it was kind of like. Yeah, it was kind of like the love rectangle at that point. But the, for some reason, they put Billy Gunn in the hardcore match instead and put Road Dogg in the Intercontinental title match because Russo, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Meanie got a shirt specifically made for that um, for that show as well. And I know he still has it. And uh, again, he takes a lot of pride in it. And um, another name that was there, who and again, these are like one-off WrestleMania appearances for some of these people. Gangrel um, made the infamous dropping from the ceiling to hang the big boss man after his Hell in the Cell match. Well, that's yeah, that's I was trying to figure out where Gangrel fit into the WrestleMania. That's where he is. <laughs> that is his one appearance, and it's definitely <laughs> an infamous uh appearance. Edge said that he got caught. Um, so you see a long shot where Edge is just stuck. Uh, halfway between the cell and the rafters at that point, then the camera had to cut away. But uh, that was a very yeah. cool moment. And and yeah. as a kid, who had never seen someone get hung before in the middle of a wrestling ring. That was... <laughs> you know. You know. You're fine. You never forget hanging kids. <laughs> <laughs> but just th- that mania is just so of its time. And some of these characters, like Gilbert, um, who I think... Oh, I could be wrong on this, but I think he may have been on the pre-show Battle Royal um, when the last two people in the ring would get a tag title shot against Owen and Jeff, and it ended up... Do you remember who it was? Who was it? It was... Because, te- well, again, Attitude Era, testing D'Lo Brown. <laughs> like, uh, oh. <laughs> Very Attitude Era. Which, Test and- 
it maybe speaks to like the state of their tag division at that point. Um, yeah. But, uh, but when you've got LOD in uh, in that battle royal and they don't win it, and uh, you know you've got legitimate teams in there, but uh, tell you what, and I know I'm going all over the place with this, but one of my favorite WrestleMania matches and one of the most built up WrestleMania matches of all time, and I'll stand by this, is the Luna and Goldust against Sable and Mark Merrow at WrestleMania oh. 14. Um, <laughs> honestly, the um, Raws would close with them two fighting. Um, that was such a protected, built-up feud to get to WrestleMania uh, at that point. And Goldust was uh, in the height of his artist, formerly known as Goldust, coming out in all kinds of outfits and stuff like that. But uh, Really Sa- getting yeah. <laughs> Sable wouldn't have worked without Luna. Um to be the antagonist and Luna, of course, getting her, uh, her uh, wrestling megastars for getting her WrestleMania 10 gear. She was in two mixed tag matches at uh, WrestleMania's. And um, the other one was, of course, uh, Luna and Bam Bam Bigelow against Doink and Dink. And uh, (laughs) Luna was put into some wild uh, situations to say the least. I mean, we uh, we talked about this recently that, uh, Luna mentioned on an interview that, I mean, she had to work for Sable. Sable couldn't do anything, um, but took all the credit for it. And when she, when Luna got backstage, no applause for her or anything. Sable got all the applause. She got bouquets of flowers. And uh, the only person that went up to Luna and said, you did an amazing job was Owen Hart, apparently. Um, wow. Which I think is very cool. So yeah, I know I'm just rambling here a lot, and I've, I feel like I've just taken over the show <laughs> a little bit. I like yeah. But um, with Luna, then like, uh, are there any, you know, because she made a debut at WrestleMania as well, WrestleMania Nine, uh, in Shawn Michaels' corner, and possibly, arguably, the match of the night against Tatanka as well. So, in uh, Luna, fellow Canadian. Um, with a huge, you know, Canadian heritage as well. So, are there any like lunar moments that stick out for you? God, I, the the one that you mentioned was like the doink dink one in WrestleMania, just because like you know that she could handle her own, and she was like you said, put in the silliest situations, and she still came out looking awesome. Like she still came out where you thought, I do not want to meet her in a dark alley; she will kill me. <laughs> even though she was just wrestling doink and dink and had all those crazy spots that happened in that you still, she still came out. Like you said, even when you don't fully know, you're not fully in on wrestling and you don't fully know what's going on. You still, even as a kid, you get an idea. You're like, okay, this person can actually handle themselves in real life. And yet they made this guy dressed like a clown. And this, you know, short person dressed like a clown. She made them look, <laughs> bugs and i don't know how that happened but yeah like that's half half the art of wrestling is to make somebody else look good when they don't have a clue what they're doing you know that's like half of it have like again you know you're a really good wrestler when you can make somebody who does not know how to wrestle look like they can wrestle and she does an amazing job of that yeah she really did so and luna did one of the best splashes i think i've ever seen that missed because she went for yeah. the splash on dink but it, it was kind of like she didn't put her arms out to do the splash. It was almost like she belly flopped onto the canvas and how that didn't really hurt herself. I don't know, but I've sure. seen Luna do it before. So she's fully, fully capable of uh, yeah. 
taking a bump when she needed to. And, and it wasn't like she was wrestling full time at that point because it wasn't exactly like there was much of a women's division. Um, you know, they, they had a Lundra as champion, but uh, they were even scrambling for opponents at that point because it was meant to be uh, Debbie Combs, who was, um, I think she was an LPWA uh, name. Um, and then last minute, they, re- they replaced her with one of my favorites, Leilani Kai, who was also mm-hmm. a WrestleMania 1. So that was a pretty big deal. And that's the thing. I remember when WrestleMania 20 hit, I was like, well, you're in the garden again. You've got to have Leilani Kai just randomly come out and win the women's title. I've got far too many unrealistic expectations sometimes. (laughs) Every time a Royal Rumble happens, I'm like, right, Axe and Smash are going to come out as number one and two again. They're going to recreate it. and It'll be brilliant. And it never happens, sadly. Um, (laughs) But um, talk about another demolition match that you can make with cello figures, demolition against uh, Powers of Pain. Um, oh yeah, we just need that Mr. Fuji figure. It'll happen at some point, I'm sure. But uh, do it. That was it. Off your people. You get your people onto their people, and we'll see what happens. But um, see, that was a that was a big deal. That was a big marquee match for that WrestleMania. It was a tag title match, and I think people forget that the Warlord specifically was getting title matches because people were used to near the end of his career when he, he kind of became, I hate to say jobber, but he, he wasn't winning a lot of matches by that point. Um, but the powers of pain look legitimately scary. And, um, you know, uh, you again, names that you wouldn't want to run into in a dark alley because they looked really menacing with the face paint and everything. And uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was a fun match. And, and, and you know, everyone... With these kind of matches, it happened with Danny Davis at Mania 3, it happened with Heenan at Mania 4, Fuji at Mania 5, Sherry at Mania 6. When the managers get in the ring, it really lifts the match because you don't, you know, get to see the managers do much at that point and you want to see them get their comeuppance. Um, But when they also get the pin, as Danny Davis and Bobby Heenan did, uh, you know, the heat is nuclear at that point. And... um, you know, if they can get away with their lives, they're lucky at that point. But um, so, like, Haku had some great matches besides the uh, the WrestleMania 6 match, him and Barbarian against the Rockers at WrestleMania 7. I mean, what a way to open mm-hmm. that card. Um, you know, I, th- I think, if anything, I don't know how, <coughs> how you feel about this, but I think when WCW got a hold of Barbarian and uh, Ming, they knew how to use them as dangerous badasses who looked like they would kill you with one hand. Um, and I think that WWF near the end didn't really know what to do with Barbarian and Haku. But, uh, you know, you've got two of the legit toughest dudes on your roster. Uh, you know, they should have been killing everyone at that point. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Like you said, even when they were losing matches, like you said, in your, you know, even in like a non-trained mind, you're like, how did that guy lose? Because he looks like he is a legitimate murderer. He's terrible. I'm just, <laughs> how, how did he just lose? I'm scared just watching the TV. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking of, um, I was thinking of Luna before, and that's one name that I wish I'd have got to have seen live. Are there any yeah. names that are not around anymore that you were like grateful that you either got to see live or meet in person? Oh yeah. Who would it? Mm. well owen hart obviously i saw met owen hart met british bulldog like when i was training in calgary met them and they like 
exceeded my expectations. They were actually like nice to us and kind to us. And we were like training at that time. So we knew like our place on the totem pole, you did not have to be nice to us at all. And they were like legitimately watching us wrestle and talking to us and giving us advice. And we're like, this is bizarre. They should be like abusing us, but they weren't. Like that's one of the things I'm grateful for. Not only are they, they're no longer around, but I mean, we actually interacted with them and it wasn't a bad experience at all. Cause that's, it's rare sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. So who, who was running the school at that point? Was it Bruce? It was Bruce. Yeah, it was Bruce uh, Smith, but Bruce was mostly running it at the time. Uh, Ross Hart would show up. So they'd all pop in and out, but yeah. I was going to say, was Bruce there to take the check? <laughs> Or was he like yeah. actually teaching the moves? Oh. <laughs> no, Bruce actually was hands-on with it. Some someone was just there, you know, when they felt like beating somebody up. They're like, "Oh, I'm here today. <laughs> Take some my frustration out on some young young hopefuls." Yeah, Stu was there. I got stretched by Stu. That was the experience. He took it easy on us. He wasn't he wasn't too too bad. But I mean, they had a soft spot for us. Oh, yeah, we've got to do like yeah. a long form interview about this stuff because um, oh. so Somebody's- many questions. what was what was smith like there's a there's a guy who i've had a chance to chat with a lot called Irvin legend i don't know if you know the name um but he did uh some dark um aw dark shows recently and he's been wrestling all over the states uh, really trying to make a name for himself and doing a good job of it as well and he became close with smith um smith is kind of like he's larger than a lot of the heart or he certainly looked it to me like, was he kind of like an imposing figure? He kind of looked the most like Stu to me. He looked the most like Stu. He looked yeah. like, yeah, he like a young Stu. But Smith was the biggest character. How he, I get his character is what probably kept him from getting famous. But I mean, his character alone, his charisma was insane. He was like, the stories, I could have fill a couple hours of a podcast with just Smith's heart stories. Like he was, you know hilarious but he was a lunatic as well but he was just some of the stuff he came up with some of the stuff he did just crazy crazy stories but yeah he was he was a big he was the one that looked the most like Stu, like you said he was very same build and everything very hulking appearance yeah but i mean his personality was hilarious if he could keep his personality in check he probably would have been super famous yeah yeah well you know we know there were a lot of uh, loose cannons in the family yeah, yeah. Wild card of the family for sure, but in a, in a hilarious way, yeah. Oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah, we could do a few chats just on on the heart uh, training camp and just talking about the heart family. We could, you know, um, I would love to do that if um, if you have the time at some point. It would be great to oh, yeah. really sure. delve in depth because I know that I've just completely taken over this <laughs> this particular podcast, which I do apologize for because once I start talking, but one of the um kind of unknown largely forgotten about teams that you can make with cello action figures is uh giant haystacks and dynamite kid uh, because they were champ they were tag team champions in calgary i believe oh yeah look at that you can recreate some some calgary stampede action i wonder if dynamite kid had the mustache then because then there'd be the variant with the mustache mm. mm-hmm. um <laughs> We, myself and uh, Mark Fox, uh, who also hosts uh, a lot of these shows, we were doing a bit of digging and he found some, uh, I don't know if it's a rumor, because there was no proof on this, that Dynamite got injured when they were tag team champions. So Bret Hart actually took over for a few matches and were officially, unofficially tag team champions of the territory 
for those uh, few matches while Dynam- while Dynamite was out. So that's like Ooh. really interesting thing to like like get your head around. Um, but yeah, the, just, uh, yeah, you probably know people that you can ask. I was going to say, I know, yeah, TJ Wilson, if you know, I knew a few, know a few people. I could ask Bruce, say, hey, Bruce, do you remember this? I have, we, there's these body slam, like there's programs from all the Calgary Stampede shows and they had extra ones that were just chucked in a dumpster. And when oh. me and my brother were like, hey, can we have these? And like, yeah, I can have them. So we have like stacks of these different programs just as, you know, as students of wrestling. So they're there in a binder somewhere in my room right now. So I should have to look through that and see if I can find some of this old stuff. You can't see so, this because this is an audio podcast, but both of my eyebrows raised quite highly there when you said that you had that stuff. Um, <laughs> that's, that's very exciting. Got to say as well, uh, Josh Shonoff just won a huge award for like broadcaster of the year. Um, I, well-deserved. I thought I was going to win it. I'll be honest, but um <clears throat> Uh, but Josh Shonoff just just pipped me to the post there. Uh, so congratulations to Josh. And obviously, Chella only signing the biggest, most current, uh, you know, names yeah. that are getting talked about in the wrestling world, uh, along with absolute legends who will live on forever. And Josh Shonoff, uh, I think, if anything, based on him winning this prestigious award, his uh, action figures are probably going to go up in value, as a lot of Chella figures are, as you very well know. <laughs> Like, very well done. I saw that. <laughs> Looking at eBay lately, it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Chell is like the gateway to like superstardom. Um, there was Ethan Page, mm-hmm. who's had a Chella figure, then all of a sudden, AEW comes a calling. Uh, War Horse, who had AEW match. Uh, there's another one that come out. Well, of course, Chernoff's winning awards. So I'm pretty much just waiting by the phone for, you know, Tony. <laughs> AEW is going to be ringing any second now. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely happen. And, and I've got to say as well, I've been following Buff uh, Buff Bagwell's journey recently uh, with mm-hmm. PDP and everything, and it's it's wonderful to see that it's um, getting his life on track and doing what he needs to do. Um, because we've lost too many names, and uh, we can't be losing Buff anytime soon. Um, I want to see Buff as an old man. That's going to be weird. Like Buff in his eighties, <laughs> still, you know, posing for cameras and stuff. <laughs> I saw him on. Yeah, I saw his video on Twitter. He's still jacked. He's still looking good. He's still the stuff. He is still the stuff. Did you see Steiner's uh, Hall of Fame speech? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I think you know the the sensor button was there just in case, but Scott behaved himself. I mean, he was. It was a completely random story about picking up cows with Randy Savage or tipping over cows. <laughs> but uh, that was Scott Steiner's first WrestleMania since WrestleMania 9. Um, when you think he was with the company for 10, he was with the company for 19 and 20, and he wasn't on any of those events. Um, so it was very cool to see him uh, see him there. Yeah, that was a shock, I think, actually, the Steiner announcement. I thought that was awesome, awesome shock. But, yeah, yeah. wasn't expecting <laughs> No. I, I mean, the, the, you know, one thing I do like about the Hall of Fame is that largely, I think, politics seem to go out the window. And there, <laughs> is a, there is a feeling of life's too short that's, you know, put people in. I would have put Vader in a couple of years before if it was me. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a very, very entertaining Hall of Fame. And the Undertaker's speech was just wonderful. It feels like he's ready to take that on the road as like a TED Talk or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he even had the 
something like that, didn't he? he had the Britney Spears microphone, like so. Head talk. He was all set. Yeah. Um. So we we can't uh, end the show talking about challenge names and uh, not talking about matches without going into British Bulldog by himself as a, uh, you know with all the matches he's had and of course Randy Savage um, arguably some of the greatest Wrestlemania matches of all time I mean everything has been said about the Steamboat match uh, but do you have other favourite Randy Savage Wrestlemania matches I mean god there's Warrior at 7 there's Flair at 8 uh, I say Flair always yeah Flair always I always stuck in my head probably just because like Savage was savage, and but I mean, it was so neat because Flair was the outsider, and I know my tag team partner was just obsessed with Ric Flair, so that was just so cool to watch. Uh, and it's just, it just did seem like that was like you know how the like the NWO invasion that seemed like the first time I saw something like that where he was the real world champion and he was invading from this other company, and before like. Before that, he didn't even know anything else existed except the WWF in my mind. And then I was like, oh, there's more wrestling to the world, the WWF. Oh, who's this guy? Oh, he had a, he had a championship belt. And then I remember they digitized it, I guess, because they had to give the actual WCW strap back. So they had like a tag belt that was all digitized. Yeah. So it was just a surrounding all of it. And the WrestleMania one, is that when was the, the pictures of Flair and... Elizabeth, or no? <laughs> yes, that was. Um, the, that? the doctor's yeah. pictures, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, they were threatening oh, to show Elizabeth in the centerfold on the big screen, and yeah, was right into that. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. it's the Ooh. right amount of white trash soap opera uh, it, without yeah. going too far in wrestling. You know, I love when they do stuff like that. Um, and it was a different thing for Savage to be a part of as well. Um, you know, and it could be argued, you know, because obviously they wanted to have Hogan and Flair, but I, for me, honestly, no complaints about it being Savage and Flair. Instead, the match was full of drama, and um, you know, it was unlike a lot of WWF matches at that point, and uh, it was just wild, and there was constant cheating with Mr. Perfect as well, and uh, Savage was really fighting against the odds, and they, it felt because you've got two real loose cannons in that ring, it felt slightly shooty because it didn't look like a wrestling match in a lot of ways because there was a real issue going on. So Savage didn't even do all of his pomp and circumstance, no pun intended because that's his entrance ring, but like, you know what I mean? He just ran to the ring and laid straight into Flair and... uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, um, and I mean, my my friend Alex, who co-hosts a lot of BBG shows, his favorite match of all time, Savage and Warrior for WrestleMania Seven, the uh, career ending mm-hmm. match. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Savage is just and then the match at Mania Five against Hogan as well, um, just one of the better WrestleMania performers in terms of top match in the card and quality of matches as well. Um, we'll brush over George Steele at WrestleMania 2. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember Savage having an absolutely rotten match. Like, no. oh, like he's one of those ones he always delivers, just no matter who he's with. Like you said, to some to some extent, I can't remember any time he really, really just stunk it up. Yeah, 
No, and and even with like sort of a, a full on gimmick match, like the false count anywhere with Crush, which was sixty seconds to get back in the ring, um, which was like they, they call it putting a hat on a hat. Like it didn't need that; it just needed to be a false count anywhere match. But um, there's a story that uh, Brian Last tells on the the Jim Cornette podcast that he he knew someone who worked at the fan festival that year. So he was able to get good tickets. And before the show, he had to go to the bathroom and the bathroom just happened to be the room where the, where crush was tied upside down. And he goes into the bathroom before the show. You can't tell that it's a bathroom because they've got curtains around it and stuff, but he goes to the bathroom, walks in and Randy Savage, crush and Pat Patterson are discussing the finish for the match. And Randy Savage turns around, looks at a young Brian Laston, just with the eyes. He's like, get out. And Brian <laughs> just runs for his life. I'm so glad that Crush gets a good mention during the Undertaker Hall of Fame speech as well. I'm hoping that puts Brian Adams back in the consciousness of people and we start seeing a shit ton more of Brian Adams merchandise because uh, you can't get enough of it. Brian Clark does talk about chronic merchandise that he is licensed and stuff like that. So, And I feel like we can talk about that because... Brian Clark, obviously a, a, a cello name. So, um, yeah, I, I would never just flat out beg Charles, but get some Brian, get some Brian Adams stuff out there. Get some Crush merch. Please. We need it in our lives. I mean, again, this is audio. You can't tell, but my wall is orange and purple because I love Crush <laughs> so much. So um, you said that your room was like this at one point. Exact color paint scheme. Yeah, my room in Canada, the exact same thing. So I saw that, I was like, yes, good man. Do you have a lime green couch as well? Ooh, no, I don't. That's what I'm missing. It really sets off the room very nicely, I think. (laughs) Along with uh, various WWF. That's a, you can't see again, but that's a Toys R Us promo poster when you bought Karate Fighters. Um, Love (laughs) Karate Fighters. Question that this match brought you by Karate Fighters. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you play Karate Fighters? Uh, no, I they didn't really make it to Canada, but they were in the states, and I saw commercials for it endlessly. And Stridex Blimp, I knew about the the Zit and the Karate Fighters. <laughs> Pog made it. The Pogs they're selling WWF Pogs like crazy. Castrol um, GTX. Um, yeah, yeah. Didn't fully know what it was at the time. Um, or yeah, like, I need. Yeah, and I think that mom i don't know what it is but can you please get me some um so yeah and obviously before we close out i mean it makes sense to talk about one of our own uh the british bulldog and some of the matches that he's had at uh, wrestlemania's and you know from two all the way to 13 um you know he's he's had a lot of mania matches and uh for me one of the underrated matches that he had because the crowd was so hot and because it was a spectacle was British Bulldog against the Warlord at WrestleMania seven. Again, a match that you can recreate with your cello figures. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, when Warlord has the full Nelson on Bulldog, when Bulldog breaks that full Nelson, no one had done that before. And that is legitimately one of the pops of the night. And when he gets him up for that mm-hmm. power slam as well, because Warlord's a box, like you can't do anything with that. And but when Bulldog can actually pick you up and do a running power slam with you, uh, that's very impressive, but um, yeah. Do you, any particular uh, mania memories besides two for you with Bulldog? One with Owen Hart. There was a tag one. It was Bulldog. Was it Bulldog Owen Vader? Yeah, that's twelve against Yoko 
um, Jake and Ahmed Johnson. Bulldog was in a lot of tag matches throughout his WrestleMania life. <laughs> yeah. Ahmed Johnson too. That just like that screams out that new generation to me. Uh, Ahmed Johnson, where it's like. It could, like I said, that's one of those things again. Even though if you weren't fully aware of what wrestling is, you knew that Ahmed Johnson was dangerous and hurting people. <laughs> like he, I don't know who that guy is, but he's not gone to wrestling school because he is <laughs> over the place. He's got his knee pads on his thighs. What's he doing? What is he doing? Again, don't want to drop names, but Ahmed was one of the first people I interviewed, and um, I asked him why he wore knee pads all up his leg. Do you want to know oh, what? Oh, I asked I asked the hardcore journalistic questions here. Thank you very much. Uh, the reason why he wore uh, knee pads up his legs was because he said that he was injuring people with, with a scissor kick, uh, which to me makes no sense because the, the padding of the knee pad is on the top of your leg. Um, his leg. What kind of scissor kick is he pulling off? Yeah. Do you know why he wore red? That was another question I asked him. Why does he wear red? Are you ready for this? Um... His favorite wrestler. Do you want to guess who his favorite wrestler was? <laughs> Tony doesn't wear red. <laughs> <laughs> no, imagine someone who does wear red and was a giant meathead in the 80s. Uh, not a WWF name. Ooh. He was a part of a big tag team in the NWA. What were they? The. Um... Okay. What was it? What's what's the name of the tag in this? The tell me, tell me, and then yeah. Nikita Koloff. Oh, Nikita Koloff. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna have an idol, if you're gonna have an <laughs> idol in wrestling that you've learned everything from, Nikita would be it. Be <laughs> Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> he, he like things on his tights, Ahmed Johnson, that looked like they would just sever you. He had these little like metal badges around his like midsection i'm like everything about you is dangerous even your like tights could cut somebody what's up with you he didn't care he made his own rules he did it, it was a wild interview to say the least um yeah again go back and listen to that it was kind of weird that i can tell people this now because it was about four or five years ago but um we're, we're starting to talk about something and then he was like right i've got to go bye and i was just like oh right okay and this is after like two hours and i was thought this was going really well and then yeah. I had to edit it to make it seem like I, I did this new outro where I was like, well, Ahmed, thank you for, you know. <laughs> and then I had to find somewhere where it was like, yeah. <laughs> Cut together a sentence. Yes, I had a good time here. <laughs> like Chef on uh, South Park after he died. And I had to, <clears throat> like Robot Chef, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Bulldog, I mean, you know, Allied Powers Bulldog is um, yeah. more than likely going to happen in WrestleMania 11, the iconic ally powers against the Blue Brothers match, which should live on in people's hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, I used uh, the Berserker as the Blues Brothers. I had two Berserkers because oh. the tunic and yeah. everything. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Were there any wrestlers that you had to use as other wrestlers because yeah. they didn't exist? Ooh, back in the day, we made a Mr. Perfect out of, who's it, Tony Atlas? No, not Tony Atlas. Who am I thinking? Um, oh, who is that? There's a there's an LJN. Oh, what is the LJN figure? But he's in a singlet, and he's flexing. We had to paint oh, him up. Oh, Ted Arcidi. 
CD, that's the one. We made Ted our CD to Mr. Perfect. We painted his singlet yellow and his hair yellow. That's what we did for sure. Who else? I made a gold dust out of somebody, out of a Jake the Snake body. I don't know whose head I used. Probably a bushwhacker head. I painted them all yellow and gold. That was for my uh, Hasbro era. We made gold dust. Um, let's see. I can tell you who I made a gold dust out of. Uh, the Galoob Sting. I just dipped him in gold paint. Gold <laughs> paint, yeah. Yeah, I got crafty with. I got real crafty. Yeah, it's like yeah, bushwhacker head on a on a Jake the Snake body. And it looked pretty good actually. It wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Oh. See, the, the thing is, I wasn't good at customs, but I, I used nails as Bobby Heenan because he had the blonde hair. Um, I used Chitara from Thundercats as Sensational Sherry. Oh, yeah. good one. There you go. <laughs> Um, oh, who else? I mean, I did a bit of like cultural appropriation, and I remember using Akima's Dilo Brown, um, which I don't <laughs> think would fly today. Um, <laughs> I made I, you would appreciate this. I made a leaf Cassidy out of an ultimate warrior bone cruncher, I think. Bone cruncher, yes. I like re and everything because I had the long hair and I made the singlet and everything. I made the black singlet with the green and yellow like X's on it. Didn't go too, too crazy with the singlet because he had that crazy, really cool multicolored one. But yeah, I made a leaf Cassidy. Um, I love that one not- day you would just, you know what I need? <laughs> oh, I need a leaf Cassidy. Who doesn't need a leaf Cassidy? Hello, if you're listening, you've got Al Snow. Get that leaf Cassidy figure out. Oh, mate. And Honestly. Got two purchasers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably two of them. Mint on card, one to open up. We'd buy, we'd buy all of them, and just um. You well, know, yeah. Have a whole the resale, week. as I've seen with these Joey Knight toys, I would buy just a stack of them, put them on eBay. People going crazy for them, yeah. Yeah, and we did come up with our. T- we are the newest rockers, remember? So they do need to make yeah. us as a as a team at some point. Um, they've got that big daddy torso that they can use for me. Um. <laughs> I want to wear his glittery cape though as well. Um, you know, in the hat. You know, you gotta give me that. I've already pre-ordered the uh Big Daddy and hundred percent. The first thing I'm doing, take him out of the package, <laughs> putting him down on toy, hundred percent. Have you done that with any other accessories? Have you put those on your figure? Oh yeah, my oh, like, necklace or whatever. My shirts, I've got a cape. <laughs> Got everything. I've got, yeah, Kurt Angle singlets. Because I'm, like I said, a collector, so I have all the stuff, and I have all the goods. So I've got a referee, Joey. I've got, yeah, like one in a Kurt Angle singlet. I've got one with a weight that came in and just glue a weight to his hand. It's like, oh, I'll have to show you all my Joey's all dressed up, of course. Joey Army going on. Love it. Joey Army. I got one as a druid, because I am also a cello toy that was at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 23, I was a druid for The Undertaker. So I've got a little Joey in a Druid outfit. I did not know that. Yeah. See, there's so many things we've got to talk about. You've probably talked about them with Mark on like a previous interview, and I do apologize, but we'll have to, you know, like any good sequel, we'll just retread previous questions What's and ask them slightly it? differently. And um, Like Home Alone 2. It'll be the Home Alone 2 of wrestling podcasts. Two. Same premise. Yeah, uh, the All-Nighters, me and my tag team partner were Druids for The Undertaker at WrestleMania 23, after I had my head shaved by Donald Trump, by the way. That's cool. But yeah, yeah, so and I, I took the glove. I still have the glove with me. The glove is oh. in us. Because you got to take something, and they didn't need the gloves back, so I took the glove. I wanted oh. to take the whole glove. They asked I, for that I would have stolen so much stuff. I would have... Um, so Mania, what, 23? So that's... Uh, that's uh, Michigan. Um, yeah. Did you meet Aretha yep, yep. Franklin? Oh. I probably passed by her in catering, I'm sure. I'm sure. 
<laughs> I was just taking it all in, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember Alex the Pug Porto? Of course I do. Yeah, he has a wrestling school in Orlando, Florida. So he's, yeah. He does. Alex do you... the Kurt Angle before Kurt Angle, yeah. Did you know that he was one of the John Cena's at WrestleMania 25? What did oh. he know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, when he had, like, Cena's come out. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Parto. See, that's like I said, that is my like that's my jam, that era with the goon and TL Hopper and all that. So it's it's hard that I don't know something about that era because that was just my life. I lived and breathed every second of it at that time. Do you remember the Grimms? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we are best friends now. We're gonna talk about the Grimms more at some point. For those who don't know the Grimms, just do your own research and uh, you'll find out about the Grimms. <laughs> <laughs> oh how how obscure 1996 can we get maybe we'll do this for another show we'll yeah. try and catch each other out on something um <laughs> i think the grims is about as obscure as it gets um we can maybe get more obscure than that we'll definitely do some 1996 stuff at some point but like yeah. just but <laughs> so we've just wrapped we've had no direction for this show um good freestyling I think it's how it has to be, and I, I, I did talk far too much because once I start, once I start, I'm like Pringles; I just can't stop. So, um, <laughs> do you have a favorite Pringle flavor? Oh, something. Um, yeah. Um, if what? Canada, they're all dressed. It has everything. Ketchup chips, obviously, in Canada. Uh-huh. Ketchup are the go-to in Canada for sure, and all dressed, which is just everything: ketchup and salt and vinegar and everything, just smashed into a, a chip. But it's good. Okay. See, paprika for me. I had to choose. <laughs> Um, do, you, do you like Tim Hortons? Because that's all you Canadians do, isn't it? You eat Tim Hortons and watch Love Tim Hortons. That's it. Love. Literally had a Tim Hortons before this podcast because there's Tim Hortons. <laughs> and- Literally, I should show you the cup I had. Yeah, double double Canadian, Canadian uh, go to the double double Tim Hortons. Yeah, hundred percent. I've heard there if is you, one Tim Hortons per Canadian. Like, yeah, I've heard there's one Tim Hortons per Canadian in Canada. Oh. If you will be sitting in Tim Hortons, looking at a Tim Hortons from Tim Hortons, yeah, on every block in Canada, it's just it's it's the the thing to do. Uh, uh, we'll talk more about Canadian uh, culture as well, and uh, yeah, there's so much more we can talk about. But yes, I think this is a good place to leave it. We'll leave them wanting more. Um, but <laughs> do visit cellotoys.net for updates on all of the cello releases in terms of where they are in the manufacturing to the shipping. Uh, you will get updates on that. Uh, do check out Cello Toys on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, new announcements being made regularly. Uh, but, don't, you know, not that that's a guarantee because obviously, you know, figures are getting made as well. So it's not just announcements. It's like, say, updates on figures, exclusive pictures um, on the figures being made and uh and so much more and i mean th- there are some really cool names to come i can't tell you anymore i'll tell you off air <laughs> but um you know because again charles i think might have a heart attack if i mentioned some names um but yeah it, it, your collection is in safe hands with uh with cella and gaps are getting filled believe me gaps are getting filled um so yeah i want to thank everyone for checking out the show and do uh do keep listening and checking out the uh, cello page for mark's uh, custom figure competition as well that is uh, definitely going to be picking up steam very soon uh tippy uh the designer for cello figures actually won the previous competition 
And look where it led to. It led to a job with Chella. I'm not guaranteeing that you'll get a job with Chella if you win this competition. But look what can happen when your work is being seen on a wider basis. And, you know, some customizers just completely blow me away, uh, you know, because it's beyond anything that I'm able to do. I just have to wait for the figure to come out. I can't customize to save my life. So, um, yeah. And where can people find your good self? Uh, on Instagram, look at All Nighters. All Nighters on Instagram, All Nighters on Facebook. I do A L L K N I G H T E R S, and you will find my smiling face in plastic form because I'm showing off my figure everywhere and anywhere. As you should. If I had an action figure, I'd be showing it off everywhere. Um, have you been to Titan Towers yet? Have you stood outside with the figure? And, I've uh, not yet um, with the figure outside years ago but i'll have to come by swing by i did stick it in hogan's hand well the fiberglass hogan's hand at hogan's beach mm -hmm. last weekend so there's a few pictures on my instagram me there i just walked around leaving my joey toy everywhere did leave a joey sticker in hogan's beach shop in clearwater florida so if somebody wants to pick it up go for it i just kind of hit it there uh -huh. somebody may have Hogan probably charged 20 dollars for it are you going to start wearing do you know how like logan paul wore that pokemon card to the ring at our WrestleMania, <laughs> you've got to start wearing joy figures like a whole necklace. 100%. 100%. Watch this space for the Joey necklace. Mm -hmm. it, it necklace just of Joey action figures, though. Like, you know, it'll be, oh, yeah. it'll be cumbersome, but it'll be it'll be really cool because style's never comfortable. So, you know, um, you got to do what you got to do. So, yes, anyway, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the official Chalo Toys podcast. As things fall around me, I don't know what fell there. Um, uh, yeah, it, I could. Oh, what can I grab? There we go. One of Tippy's uh, finest pieces of work, the Doink the Clown buddy, going on there. Yeah, there's wrestling stuff within grasp anywhere that I, you know. Ooh. Again, this is audio. I'll show you this, and everyone can. Uh, everyone will have to just imagine what I'm holding to the camera. Uh, there you go. There you go. No one will Love. ever. No one will ever know what that is. Um, so yeah, <laughs> leave that up to the imagination. So yes, thank you again, and we will see you all next time. See ya.